Hello, everybody. This is Todd Underwood from SIFT, the voice of the food industry, and you're listening to Food Stories, the podcast, the show that highlights the industry that keeps 330 million people fed in the U.S. and tells the stories of the innovative people, companies, and organizations that keep the food flowing to our stores and restaurants. It's a program for people in the industry, as well as those who have interest in how food products are made and delivered with the highest quality and safety in mind. We would like to thank our sponsors who make this show and our other programming possible. They are the Regional Growth Partnership, or RGP, Northwest Ohio, the Heath Newark Licking County Port Authority, Ag Credit, and Jobs Ohio. You can learn more about these impactful organizations in the links shared in the show description. Now, let's get started with today's program. So now let me tell you about today's program. Today we'll be discussing the driving force of any industry, the startups and the entrepreneurs, particularly, obviously, in the food industry. Today we are joined by Ashley McDonald. Uh, She's a marketing specialist of Ohio Proud in the Ohio Department of Agriculture, and she has with her Barbie Hahn, founder of That Damn Jam, an actual entrepreneur. So we're kind of excited to have everybody here today. Um, (laughs) For having us, Todd. (laughs) So Ashley, you want to introduce yourself and just tell us a little about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So as Todd mentioned, my name is Ashley McDonald. I am a marketing specialist here at the Ohio Department of Agriculture. Um, Our main marketing program is Ohio Proud. So we focus on helping market and make connections with uh, businesses small and large throughout Ohio that are either um, making, growing, or processing a product in the state. So uh, just meet a 50% threshold if you're making, growing, or processing a food item, and you can be an Ohio Proud member. Um, we're located here in Reynoldsburg, just outside of Columbus. Um, so centrally located and just ready to help talk about businesses, celebrate them, and market them the best way that we can. Awesome. So, well, thank you for coming. So excited to talk to you. And how yeah. about you, Barbie? You want to tell us our actual entrepreneur about yourself and your product? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me today. My name is Barbie Hahn, and I dub myself the Chief Sunshine Officer of That Damn Jam. Um, we're a micro business. We're, we're a very, very small startup business where we make and distribute wholesale and retail and through e-commerce fine artisan jams, all made with a pineapple flavor, pineapple yellow pepper, jalapeno, habanero, and ghost pepper. So we're a very specialty small market. Um, and we are just going rolling into our second year of being in business. And uh, we partnered with Ohio Proud because we feel that it that designation is important to us as well as it's very important to consumers when they are wanting to buy local. And so that was one of my missions when I started the company was to have a brand that would be recognized and revered in Ohio. All right. O-H-I-O. All right. Uh, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, let's kind of s- just start from a high level. Um, how, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, how you guys connected and, you know, what, what you guys have done together with this, with the label and such. Yeah. So Barbie, I don't, you'll have to remind me, I'm not sure exactly when you joined the program, but it was within the last year, correct? It was a, yeah, a year ago. Yes. Yeah. And almost immediately um, Barbie kind of reached out and said, Hey, we're here now, we're part of the program, what can we take part in? So that's always the the best way to kind of reach out to us and get started. Um, So far, at least we've, we're in talks about combining our efforts on a couple other items, but the big thing is um, Barbie participated in the Ohio State Fair Farmers Market this year. 
So Barbie, I don't know if you want to tell a little bit about your experience, um, but we had a farmer's market at the fair. Um, we had about 15 to 20 vendors throughout the two weeks of the fair. Um, eight vendors every day selling their items. We had everyone from fresh produce coming in to coffee makers, cheese makers, just a lot of variety um, and offering fairgoers a lot of different food experiences from around Ohio. Awesome. Yeah, tell us so a little about that. Yeah, yeah, so it, it was a very exciting experience. And Ashley, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that was the first time that you'd had this event at the Ohio State Fair, right? Yep, it was. We had it several, several years ago before I even came to ODA, um, and we are bringing it back and hoping to make it like a future installment in the fair this year or for future years. Yeah. So when I got the invitation from Ashley, I was so excited because there were so many great opportunities to get your product directly into the hands of consumers. And I was not wrong in making the decision. My only regret is I wish I had done more days because the people of Ohio, especially at the Ohio State Fair, a lot of them are growers, they are makers, they are animal lovers, they are farmers. And so they get the whole connection between Ohio Proud and, and being local, and they truly support local businesses. And so the reception that we received at the Ohio State Fair was above and beyond my expectations, the way that we were welcomed. I mean, people came around the table and hugged me and said, we want your little business to succeed. I mean, I just, I came away with such a feel-good moment that, you know, I want to participate more days next year at the Ohio State Fair. It, it was, it was such a great day from a feel good perspective, but also financially, we sold a ton of jam, you know, for, we were selling a jar of jam every five minutes. I mean, it was just crazy how much jam we sold in one day. So I told Ashley, I said, bring me back next year. I want to do it. That's awesome. So what, when did the fair end? That was a couple months ago, right? I'm trying to remember because we participated. Yeah, so it runs from the last the last week of August, or I'm sorry, last week of July through the first week of August. Awesome. So, so, yeah. so Barbie, have you felt any longer lasting impacts from going to the fair other than that? Have you, did you get any opportunities that came out of that as well? Well, what I did notice was, was that I had a lot of uh, online sales immediately following our presence at the Ohio State Fair. So we shipped uh, jam to Columbus or people sent gift packages to people outside of Ohio. We drove a lot of engagement through our website. We gained more followers. We gained a lot of great comments and feedback about meeting that damn jam lady and tasting the jam. And so overall, um, you know, the metrics around it were just, were, were a huge Awesome. success. It was one of the most successful post events that I've ever done and that I generated more sales that I felt were directly related to being at the Ohio State Fair than any other tasting or event that I've done so far in the short time that I've been in business. Oh, that's awesome. What a great story. I'm going to make sure I get down there. My kids make me go to the county fair. I got to get them to the big one one of these years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so just it's an interesting thing. You, you talk about Ohio and you talk about the state fair. I mean, every every state has a fair, but I know Ohio is kind of a big, big deal because we're a very agricultural state, which some people don't know. But what are some other unique things, Ashley, about Ohio from a food production kind of standpoint that you think are opportunities for entrepreneurs and things like that? Sure. So um, kind of the background in Ohio Proud is a lot of the other marketing um, programs throughout the different states that are associated with the Ag Department focus solely on growing product, which is amazing. But the phenomenal thing about Ohio is we have so many food processing companies all throughout the state. 
Um, so with our program, we really didn't want to limit it just to folks growing, making a product that is 100% grown in Ohio. We want to find a way to represent the ice cream companies we, and the coffee companies and all the other folks that might be making more of a specialty project or products like a chocolate maker. They might have to bring in their materials, but they're still creating hundreds of jobs. Uh, they're giving they're giving back to their community in different ways. They're providing a phenomenal project or product to Ohioans. So we wanted to create that balance of both creating a program for farmers, but also recognizing all the great things our food processors do throughout the state. And I think you really see that throughout the other agencies that we work with as well. Um, we work with Department of Education and they're really big on farm to school. We work with development all the time and they're constantly asking us for our partner list so they can reach out and talk to them about export. So there's just a wide range of opportunities that the state provides outside of state interactions. I mean, you're talking about a lower cost of living, um, housing and some of the other mid to large cities is, I mean, ours isn't great right now, it's high, but the cost of living generally in Ohio compared to other states is relatively low. Um, you've got a state that, especially for food processing companies, shipping is obviously trucking is a big issue. Um, you can get product faster all around the all around the country if you're if you're making food and it's leaving Ohio. Um, and I think generally just our consumers are open-minded. They want new products. They're always looking for the next local thing. Um, I can't tell you how many phone calls we get every single week of people throughout the state looking for the new a new farmer's market in their area. They wanna get out, they wanna meet the people that are producing these products. They want to be able to taste it. They just wanna get their hands on it as soon as possible. Um, our Ohio Prod website, we keep a listing of all the farmer's markets. Um, it's just, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to raise a family. Um, we've got those Midwestern values, but we still have enough big city life for the folks that want that it's just it's a fantastic mix of all the things that you want to make a state special that's awesome i i get it because like i said i lived abroad for a long time and i came back and it is a great place to to be um barbie just to kind of piggyback on that have you from what you said you're two years into business obviously you've, you've grown pretty fast it sounds like have you noticed anything that's been helpful about ohio from a business perspective or are you guys even selling are you selling across state lines or are you still ohio only so we have a couple of um, locations in indiana and in kentucky that are selling uh, retail but we do ship everywhere in the united states but i will tell you that um what ashley said about having an environment uh, where there are the ability to connect with producers um in ohio that was the key to me taking my jam from my kitchen to retail shelves, right? Because you can only do so much in your personal kitchen. Then you have to migrate to a commercial kitchen, which means you're still having to make all of that jam. And you can't make the jam and sell the jam and package the jam and market the jam <laughs> and work a full-time job because you, you don't have income from your jam company, right? You can't do all of those things. But Ohio has set up a, a, an environment where you can take that step of going from your kitchen to retail shelves through a series of 
co-packers. So are you familiar with the term co-packer? Oh, sure. Sure. We, uh, we at SIF, we have a commercial kitchen that we, we operate out of Bowling Green, Ohio, actually. Okay, great. So my key to my transitioning from kitchen to retail was being able to connect with what we call a micro on-demand co-packer. And that's where my space is still today um, with a micro on-demand co-packer called Patterfam Sauces out of Wheelersburg, Ohio. I searched around on the internet going, I can't make enough. I can't make enough. I can't really go mm -hmm. to a commercial kitchen because I got to take everything there and I still have to make it. And there's not time, enough time in the day mm -hmm. for me to do that. How do I take this next step? Well, Patter Fam is that step because they allow you to do as small as a 20 gallon batch of jam, right? You can start really small. They make barbecue sauces, hot sauces, rubs and things of that nature, but they do, they're very prolific in making jam. So I was able to go to them and say, Hey, I'm brand new at this. What do I need to know? And they're not, uh, they're not a consortium, but they do provide some consulting services to you to help you take that. They help you scale up your recipe. They connected me with Western shield, which is an Ohio company that makes, makes all my labels and they did design yeah. for my labeling. Labels. That's a challenge in and of itself too, when you're scaling yeah. up because you've got all those things to do. Well, that is yeah. one thing that even like I've told you guys before we started the show being being from Ohio but being gone a long time and then not knowing much about the food industry is just how many places across the state there are like these commercial kitchens and these co-packers to help these small small businesses uh get started I'm just curious Barbie where did you when you first started what was kind of the onus of I'm really interested in the entrepreneurial mind um what what were you did was it just people said oh your jam tastes good you should sell it did you have some sort of epiphany was there a light bulb moment well, there were a couple of things. About 10 years ago, I started making the jam. My husband and I went on a trip and we bought a jar at a farmer's market at a roadside stand. We went back to our hotel and we ate it and we're like, oh, that damn jam is so good. We couldn't find it anywhere. And when I got home, I was determined that I was going to replicate that experience or that flavor that we had on our trip. And I started making it and we just loved it. We took it to parties and people are like, oh, that that damn jam is really good. You should make that. And I'm, Okay, well, I would make it and give it as gifts. During COVID, I could still get all the ingredients and I just started making pot cases and cases and cases. And I did a post on Facebook. Um, you've asked me to make more jam. I have it. I'll mail it out to you for free. Just DM me. Mm -hmm. Well, people started DMing me, but then they started Venmoing me money. And then Venmo was like, um, you're getting a lot of Venmos for jam. Do you have a business? And I'm like, well, I think I do now. And so I, I signed up for awesome. a, yeah, right. So that's kind of the basic story. So it was kind of the will of the people. It's like, you need to make more of this. And so that's kind of how the whole business materialized. I actually think you just gave me an idea for our next podcast of foods launched because of lockdowns and COVID, because that's like the fourth story I've heard of somebody who was stuck at home, got a chance to cook. I mean, we all want to move on from COVID. I know, but there maybe there's a few silver linings out there. We're getting some yes. some good new innovative um, foods. So um, let me just ask you a question, Ashley, from the higher level. What what is it? What is where are most of these entrepreneurs coming from? What is their motivation? Because um, you guys really do start at these very small companies. I mean, these are the people who have the recipe and are just don't maybe don't even know where to go. Yeah, and. Barbie is the classic example of, I can't tell you how many times you've heard the story of, you know, I brought this, the mustard man bringing his mustard to cookouts and to tailgates. And they're like, you have, you have to do something with this product. It's someone, it's always someone with a great idea or a fantastic recipe. And it's just had, it's the steps, right? It's the steps of 
how do you how do you make that next step to commercial processing, either co-packing or commercial kitchens um, from selling at farmers markets? How do you ma then make that jump into your specialty stores and then eventually your grocery chains? Like we're here in that pro to help you make those steps a little bit not as tall going through the process. Um, so that's really where we come in. But as Barbie said in her story, like most of these companies, they start out with a great recipe or a great idea, and it might just be one. And then all of a sudden there's, they're seeing more demand for different flavors for maybe, and eventually they're branching out into different products. Um, so you might start with jam and then all of a sudden you're making a great fruit barbecue sauce. And then it just, it kind of, it, it has a natural progression with these companies that's of like, kid. Yeah, exactly. Of the initial first like epiphany of a great idea and then it it kind of gathers steam and then it it sprouts off into other great ideas and other products. So I'm just curious and obviously it's a, it's a hard thing to quantify, but with these these companies and Barb Barbie you can hop in here too. How many people end up doing this full time? Going from hey, this is just a side gig to full time. Is it is it most many and what what do you see kind of makes the the difference between those two things like if, if you're looking at starting this how what are the realistic expectations i guess i mean it honestly every company is a little bit different you're going to find folks in our industry and in our ohio prod program that this is their this is their either their retirement plan or it's their side hustle for the next 15 years while they're doing their other job um throughout the week we have one of our vendors that was at the farmer's market he's a lawyer um, for a county up north and he just he makes honey and he decided to take a day off and come down to the fair and sell for a day and he sold a couple of jars to someone that was taking them back to Paris France and that blew his mind that his product this little honey product was now going to go international so it's just it's the variety and every everyone's story is different that's what's so great about the food industry um, it, it takes a while unless you have that spark and a like of sometimes it's just pure luck too. Like you just don't know, you don't know in your story and in your pro startup process, just how long it's going to take. There isn't really a roadmap for that. Sure. Um, but I think you'll see folks like Barbie with her hustle like that. Potentially that may not be her full time. Like it might eventually be her full-time job very soon. We just don't know. Yeah. Was well, it what well, I guess, and I want Barbie to jump in here too, but just to, what's that maybe not what actually happens but is what's the expectation generally when people come to you ashley is it is it is there an expectation or is it is there something you see more of or less of of where they want to go so it depends on their size um, a lot of the folks are currently just selling at a farmer's market so their end goal might be to be at a specialty store like celebrate local where they're they're seeing an uptick and they they have a set amount of orders every week or month that they know that they can fill and count on um, once they're there, it might be that jump to, you know, I really want to end up at an, an, an end cap at Kroger. Like once I've got the Ohio Proud label, people can recognize my product in grocery stores. That's, that's where I've made it. Other folks eventually, I mean, we've got larger companies too, that are like, I'm ready to jump to international. Um, so we'll work with development. Development um, has a couple of great programs that they'll pay for marketing for foreign markets. They'll split the cost with you. Um, we just hosted a foreign buyer, a Midwest buyer's yep. mission um, th during the summer. That. They actually they actually came to the farmer's market the night before we hosted them at the tent um, and gave them a tour of the fairgrounds. So 
it's just, it's a vast number and they all have different hopes and dreams for their business. And hopefully Barbie can maybe touch on it a little yeah, bit more. Just, like what her size is. Yeah, where, Barbie, what's where, the dream? What her, yeah, what's the <laughs> Just dream? lay it out there for us. Well, um, when I when I went to my husband and said, you know, can I take money out of our 401k? I think I really want to do this. I said, it's, you know, we're going to lose money for probably three to five years. You know, we're, we're going to invest, you know, for three to five years. But I'm, but it is my intention to retire and do this full-time or do this full-time before I retire, right? It's kind of which comes first, the chicken or the egg, um, you know, and, and really trying to navigate this new landscape. I come from the field of mortgage banking, so I know a lot about residential lending, but I know nothing about consumer packaged goods and getting commercial loans and, and business startups, you know, it's just not my area of expertise. And so, you know, I'm going to be leaning a lot harder on Ohio Proud and the resources that they have available to help me take these next transitional steps because I can't grow any more than where I am if I if I don't have somebody beside me who can guide me and help me take the right financial steps and the right marketing and directional steps with my business you know it's it's something that um I'm very passionate and very excited about and I can see where it can go but it's it's very cloudy on on how you get there. It's not just do A, B, C, D in this order, because with what the things that you've spoken about, COVID, the market, inflation, the demand for specialty products can kind of wax and wane yes. when people are looking at their pocketbook and they're going, am I going to spend $8 on a jar of jam? I don't know, maybe not this week, right? Yeah. Uh, and so being sensitive to that, but also then rebranding and recreating what we're doing around the product to show the utility of the product and how many uses you get out of the product um, is also part of what we're thinking about from a marketing perspective and that you're getting a lot of value. You're getting a lot of uses out of that purchase, right? You're not going to buy it and use it one time and have it be gone. So, you know, there's a lot of thinking and recalibrating that's constantly going on in determining What's the next logical step yeah. for my business? Yeah, and that is that is hard. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if you guys have watched this TV show Shark Tank, but I love that and I love the entrepreneurial spirit. But they do ask though, they always ask, are you gonna quit this and be your full-time job when they're trying to decide whether to give them money? Um, how how does that work? Can you tell us either of you a little bit like we talked again offline a little bit of this at the beginning? You know, asking for a loan to build a house is very different than asking for a capital to build a machine that no one else can use that makes jam or, or, or a product that has a shelf life, you know, that, you know, a widget, a metal widget is going to last forever. A jar of jam has a limited shelf life. What are some of the challenges you got either? It doesn't matter from a high level or personal level you guys have seen from a finance point of view. Well, I will tell you that it is my own personal fear has been my largest obstacle um, the fear of, of not knowing what to do, but I did join the minority and African-American chamber of commerce in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I've been working with a woman there named Marlene Fout, who is helping me become a, a certified women's business enterprise WBE. So I'm going through the process of collecting all of the financial documents that are needed to become a WBE. And that's, that's a big list. And that's a little bit daunting, right? That's part of my fear coming out. But once I become a, a, a WBE, a women's business, certified women's business enterprise, I would have access then to apply for very low interest loans uh, or 0% interest loans. So there's steps that you have to take. You, I have to get over my fear. Like what if it happens and I I don't make money and, and I what, what happens, right? And am I willing to take a bet and a risk on myself you know, I've sold, I've been in marketing and sales my entire career and I've made lots of money for other people. I know I can sell, 
am I going to bet on myself? And this is my time to bet on myself, but there still is trepidation and fear there, right? About well, I, taking those steps. I have a lot of family who are entrepreneurs and, and some successful, some not successful. And I always said, and I mean this with utter respect, like you have to be a little crazy, you know, to, 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 to do it. And I, that's why I'm in marketing and for a different company, I've told very open. I don't have the, I don't have the gut. So I think it's awesome that you're doing this. Um, Ashley, how about from your point of view, is there anything that you guys tell people who are starting up from, you know, rate, cause obviously uh, to scale up, you need money, you know, and you need, you need yeah. space. How, how do you guys recommend uh, somebody approach that? Um, I think it's just understanding the reality that you're not going to make money for a while. Um, anything that you're going to make money on, you're going to want to grow the business. You're going to have to put it back into the business. And that's just the reality of any small business starting up unless they happen to also win the lottery while they're creating this small business. Like it's just the reality of the situation. So for us, it's having those conversations with folks. Um, and then also just being a resource, providing the information on how to be an MBE certified, uh, be in the MBE program, to be edge certified, to, if you're a minority business, take advantage of those resources that are offered to you. Um, become a member of your chamber of commerce. So many connections are made within your local community and really getting to know the other businesses in your community. They're great partnerships, they're great resources. Um, and it's, it's about creating that sense of community and being a sounding board for those folks being a resource. Um, we're not, obviously we're not the bank. Like I would love to be able to loan folks this money, but it's really just being the resource for them and like where to point them next, given where they are in, in their business process or business life. Just from a, from a higher level and either of you guys can answer this, what are the different challenges? I've kind of said them, but I'm curious from your perspective for those types of things, for a food company, as opposed to if I wanted to open up, you know, a, a carpentry toy shop or something, you know, that was, what are some of the challenges that are different and unique to food, whether it be financial or other things, what are some of the big challenges that people face? Well, I think, you know, access to capital certainly is, is one of them or understanding how to get access to capital, which is something I'm clearly trying to navigate now. Um, also making sure because it is food, right, it's consumable that the product that you are either making yourself or you're using, you're having a co-packer make for you is made under safe conditions that it's FDA inspected, that they're going through all of the proper processes to make sure that we are giving uh, the consumer a product that they can feel comfortable and safe eating with their friends and their family. Um, and I know that, you know, that other industries have regulations, but when you think about something that you're going to put in your body, I mean, it doesn't get any more concerning about the safety of that product than, than that. Right. Yes. So that, you know, I think that maybe it's there's other obstacles for other types of businesses, but in consumer packaged goods or foods in particular, um, there's there's an enhanced level of um, critique around the safety handling of your food items. Yeah, I think people would. It's funny. We were doing a, another interview and one of the comments I kept hearing from a food safety person was how how people would be surprised how much how many things that their companies have to go through to get the food and how, you know, over-engineered it is in a good way to make sure our food is safe. It, it is pretty amazing. Um, how about you, Ashley, anything that you'd say is kind of unique to the food industry outside processed food, maybe, I know you guys also touch on ag and things, but actually selling a processed food, what are some unique challenges for entrepreneurs? Um, so I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of Barbie here. So 
at ODA, we also we also house um, Ohio's food safety division. So that is a huge part of our everyday life here at the Department of Agriculture and food safety is at the forefront of really everything we do at the agency. Um, so I think even before folks get started, it's having a really great understanding of what kind of product you have and what's the level of risk associated with that product. So obviously at a farmer's market, you're, you've got whether or not you need a license or not. Um, then there's the next step up, up of your labeling issues that can all impact food safety, whether or not you need a HACCP plan, depending on the type of food product that you're making. Um, it's such an important part of the prop business molding and shaping process, because if you don't have those guardrails in place for food safety, one recall, um, one outbreak of some type could really set back your business, especially when you're making those crucial steps and growing early on. Mm -hmm. um, so we really wanna make sure that folks understand the importance of food safety, um, and really think about the implications and just make sure that they're, it's all about, it's all about risk. We just want to serve a great, amazing product. We don't, we don't want to, we don't want to incur any, any, anything that could come along with saving, serving or providing an unsafe product. And that can happen even with pro, further processed foods. We see it all the time in the industry. Um, so I think for us, that's our biggest, our biggest thing. We have amazing resources here at the department. You can call their food safety folks at any time. And they always preach education over um, like a wrist slap or anything like that. Like they wanna educate you on the process first and then wanna see you take the corrective action. So that's all That's all it is at the end of the you day. You don't need to be scared, in other words. Don't be scared. Well, that's the reason why I, I chose to go primarily with a co-packer of one that had been inspected and had great results from all of those inspections because I felt like it's something that I take very seriously for my family. And for me to gain a complete mastery over that was just something outside of my ability and comfort zone. Because people do ask me, they're like, well, don't you want to make a product yourself? And I'm like, the product tastes great. People love it. I can make sure that I'm giving a safe, wonderful, delicious product to my to the people that love it, right? And it, through the through the channel that I have now, right? And to take that back and to try to own that, would be more than I think I'm ready to, to take on. And so it's nice to have options, right? And so when I choose to scale up from where I am to the next level co-packer, you know, I'll do my due diligence and I'll make sure that they have a good uh, safety record and FDA inspections because I don't want any of that to change. Well, I know out of um, SIF's commercial kitchen, the knock in Bowling Green, I talk a lot to tenants out there and finding a good co-packer is like the question. I mean, and I, I think also just for our audience, a co-packer is basically someone who help manufactures your food for you. I bet you a lot of, a lot of people out there don't even know what a co-packer is. So I think that's, that's kind of important, but yeah, that is, that is really important. And also that is how you scale up. So that's good to know. Well, I, I, we're getting near the end. I just have a couple other questions. Um, because this comes up in every conversation I have at SIFT around food. Um, and you kind of touched on it. How are you guys seeing from a high level and personally the issues of inflation and workforce? And has that affected your, your, um, your business or the people you're working with? Because that is all we're hearing. We can't find workers and supply chain is just is killing us with the inflation of um, our ingredients and things. Can you give us a little perspective on those two? So I just uh, recently hired my very first 
employee uh, because I did as much as I could do and I went as far as I could go. And um, and so Chelsea joined me and she's taken over um, all of my social media as well as online fulfillment, as well as helping me with um, with my wholesale deliveries. We have not scaled up to the point to where we can have a, um, a wholesale distribution channel. There's just not enough profit in the way that we're doing business right now. But Chelsea being able to come in and work on the business is giving me the ability to think more about my business, right? And to manage the progression of the business, which I would have not been able to do if I was sitting here, you know, putting tags on jam and doing things of that nature. So it frees me up to think more, which is really important. But I can't discount the role that inflation has had. Our sales have dropped dramatically over the last few months. Our online sales are at a record low. Uh, we are still doing well with our wholesale partners. And it's very much tied directly to the samplings and tastings and marketings that I do. I'm very much the brand. I'm that damn jam lady. So when I get out and I do samplings, I do tastings, I'm on a couple TV stations, we see the traffic increase and we see our sales increase. But in between those times, I do think people that are concerned about the money that they're spending, the purchases that they're making. And so we, you know, even though I saw that trending in my business, I knew that I couldn't take it to the next level unless I just bit the bullet and hired somebody, you know, and, 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 and she's worried because she sees that sales are, are low, but I'm like, that's going to happen, Ashley, like what you said, like it, I plan for it. I'm ready for it, but we can't get to the next level. We're planting seeds. We're just, we're inching the ball forward. We're not trying to get across the goal line right now. We're just trying to inch the ball forward and it will all materialize. We just have to keep doing the things that we're doing now consistently daily, weekly, and monthly to, to take the business to the next level of growth. Well, that's interesting. Cause I would say having worked with some small businesses, myself in the food space, understanding how important marketing and branding is, is something that a lot of entrepreneurs, if they don't have experience in it, don't understand the importance of and how that can be a stopgap when you're having other problems, that brand can help you. So that's great to hear that you're, you're succeeding on that that level. And how, how about you, Ashley? Are you um, seeing anything in the workspace or the inflation? Any insights from the higher level? Yeah, so we're definitely, I mean, both are very real issues. Um, we're seeing, we hear about them all the time. We see them all the time. Uh, one of the biggest, I think, instances of seeing it was this summer. And we obviously, we talked about it. We had the state fairs farmers market. We had a lot of folks last minute that couldn't attend um, and sell their product because they didn't have the staffing. Um, we were open all day long at the fair. So as many consumers as possible could come in and sample product. And we just, we couldn't, not all of the businesses could have someone there for 10 hours straight. We're definitely going to modify the hours next year to be able to get more varieties. And um, if people only have one staffer, we'll work with them through that. Um, but it's it's just the reality of the situation right now. It's every it's every segment of it, every industry is having trouble finding qualified people um, that are ready and want to learn and do the work. And that's not that's just the reality of every segment of every industry. Um, it's not a reflection on anyone in particular. I think post pandemic, we're just we're finding a lot of challenges that we didn't oh, yeah. really we didn't realize. At coming out of this, we were going to see, we didn't realize just how bad some of the finding some materials were going to be the cost of materials rising for these small businesses. There's just a lot of unintended consequences of coming out of something like this. And we're, we're learning, we're learning how to recruit new talent. Um, we're seeing that just finding folks here at ODA to come in. Um, it's, it's everywhere. Everyone's dealing with it, trying to find creative new ways to find talent, hire talent, 
marketing is huge and Ohio Proud's ready to help our businesses with that. Um, we tell folks all the time and Barbie's touched on it quite a bit. Um, use it to talk about your product as much as possible, the different ways it can be used, um, the different recipes. If, if you can create the different facets and the different ways to highlight that product, it's gonna make it, it's gonna make buying that $8 jar of jam or jelly worth it to folks because they can see all the different ways it can be used, whether you're giving it as a gift, whether you're making it in several different appetizers throughout a couple of months that you're using it. Like there are just so many different opportunities and market to showcase your product. We do co-op advertising here at the department. So we'll buy down um, a two page magazine spread and we'll chop that cost up and spread it amongst the partners. So find, find something, a resource like us, find us. We're more than willing to help you, but there's also a lot of, you can talk to your local chamber of commerce and see if they'll create, help you create a co-op ad with other small businesses in the area. Like there are creative ways to market and sell your product that isn't necessarily the traditional methods. And that's all, that's all come about from the pandemic, just finding creative ways to sell, to still successfully sell that product and get it into consumers' hands. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Barbie. I will tell you that in my experience, nothing takes the place of being directly in person with the customer, with the buyer, with the person that loves your brand, the person that you're trying to get to love your brand. That engagement um, is so important. And I, and I know social media and all of that is great, but I will tell you there's a direct correlation between meeting people in person, letting them taste your product for free, right? Doing those samples, they get, they get to try it for free. And, and then, then they connected with you. It's still about human connection. Right. It's about them wanting you to succeed. And that has been the highlight of this whole venture is how much people are like, I'm like the little engine that could, people are going to will me into success. They think I can, they think I can, they think I can. And I truly believe that the people in Cincinnati and the town that I live in Milford have really kind of willed this into existence. You know, they, they are, they're invested in it and they're invested in me. And I think that's the, and maybe that's what unique to Ohio. Maybe that's one of the beautiful things about living in the heartland in Ohio is that people really care. Well, thank you. You just kind of validated my whole podcast because that's what we're trying to do here is kind of highlight these stories and get people connected because I do think people buy a product not just because it tastes good. Of course, that's part of it, but because they identify and they empathize. Telling like telling your story is so important to your brand. Um, you may have kind of answered my final question here already, but I will throw it out there. Um if I'm a food entrepreneur, or I've got, I'm in my kitchen and I've made my awesome sauce and man, I want to, I want to start my own brand or something. What would be the one piece of advice you give to that person in their kitchen? Who's the light bulb this went on and they're like, maybe I should sell my product. What would be the one piece of advice either of you, both of you would give? Well, my advice would be first believe in yourself and believe that you can and bet on yourself. You know, if people are telling you it's a good product and you should take it to market, believe them. Don't wait 10 years like I did, right? Just believe in them and, and, and lean on resources like Ohio Proud, you know, search co-packers on the internet, figure out how you take that next step. But the bet you place on yourself is a bet that you will always win. That's awesome. Thank you. How about you, Ashley? Um, so I'm going to give away my go-to advice for free out here, even though you all are an Ohio Proud members. 
So we're seeing more and more. Don't worry. Don't worry about creating a website right away. Get on social media. If you're not on social media yet, get an Instagram, get a TikTok, get a Facebook. Because more and more, if someone sees your product out there, they just want to know about it. They're not going to go directly to your website. They'll worry about the links to that later. They're going to look to see. They're going to type your name into Instagram and see what you're about, what recipes they can create with your product, who you are, what your brand is. Um, marketing is still a very important piece. Sampling is still a very important piece. Get your product out there. Get to a farmer's market. Uh, talk to us. We'll, we don't, you don't need to be a paying member to help. We'll talk you through what you want to do to get started. Um, but yeah, social media and just get your product in the hands of the people as soon as possible. That's awesome. Well, I just want to thank both of you guys for joining us today. I, we've gone a little over time. I appreciate that. And, uh, Please, if, if we'll, we'll give the information for both of these guys in our, in our description so you can get in touch with Ohio Proud or get yourself some of that damn jam. Um, and again, we appreciate it. And you guys have a great day. We'll talk again, hopefully soon down the road. Great. Thanks, Todd. You have been listening to Food Stories, the podcast, a production of SIFT. We appreciate your support. If you have any food processing stories you would like to share, reach out to us at info at siftinnovation.org and be on the lookout for our next episode coming next month, telling some more of these fascinating and important stories. Until then, stay well and stay fed.